What do you dream about these days? The things we imagine when we are asleep are often bizarre, though they reveal a lot about our deepest hopes and fears, or so they say. But a dream can also be something that we hold on to when we're wide awake. A cherished desire or a grand ambition. TV talent shows are full of wannabe singers who talk about living the dream. But there's another sort of dream that's more characteristic of the Rhonda, I'd say, truer to our history. A dream that isn't just about personal ambition, about chasing fame and fortune for ourselves. It's a kind of vision that includes others, that aims to do something to better all our lives. It's almost 30 years since the BBC made the TV series The Dream, about Triorchy Rugby Club's amazing rise to the top. It's a story that's been told many times. There's a reason for that, which we'll come to. But it's worth telling again, because there are parts of it, well, if you didn't remind yourself that it actually happened in real life, you'd swear that somebody had dreamt it up. Triorchy's rugby dream came to fruition in the 1990s. But the story begins, I suppose, 20 years before that, with a group of boys who were at school with me in the early 1970s. Who oh do? It's 50 years ago. Porth County was known as a rugby school. It would take on the best in Wales. In my day, there were fleet-footed backs like my classmates Michael Chapman, David Latcham and Stephen Snook. But the grunt came from the forwards, a real bunch of tough nuts. Characters like Adrian Owen, flame-haired and with a temper to match the cliché. Phil Davis, a monster of a prop, and Chris Jones, a flanker come hooker who in terms of brutality was in another league altogether. Now, these were all intelligent boys. They'd passed for Porth County with top marks and their 11 plus. But something happened to them when they took the field of play. And when they left school and formed the core of the Triorchy club side, there was big trouble. There were brawls and battles, sly punches and stampings and sendings off. For a while, Triorchy became a byword for rugby thuggery. When the elite players of Cardiff had to come and play a cup match at Triorchy's Oval, they changed in the dressing room, trembling in fear of their lives. And sure enough, once the game kicked off, so did the fighting. Season after season, things went on that you couldn't make up. Chris Jones was banned for life. Twice. He used to turn up for matches with an axe in his kit bag. And then something even more extraordinary happened. Chris found God. In a police cell in Brecon. He'd been arrested for a fray at the Jazz Festival. Now whatever you might believe about the belief that he found that night, there's no doubt that it transformed his behaviour, his character and the course of his life all for the better. Meanwhile, Phil Davis, his old Porth County teammate, had spent time away from the Ronda and he was a convert to another powerful agent of change. Marketing. Marketing wasn't such a well-developed business tool back then and it was pretty much unheard of in rugby circles. The game was still amateur, at least in the way it was administered. But these Triorchy rugby boys saw that change was coming and they saw a way to steal a march on the fusty old traditional clubs like Cardiff, Swansea and Llanelli, who dominated the Welsh game for decades. Triorchy would rise up the leagues 
and up again, taking their place at the very top table of Welsh club rugby. And more than that, the club would become one of a small number of elite teams playing against the best in Europe in the new professional competitions that Phil Davis had the vision to see coming. The dream was about to become a reality. While all this was going on, I was working my way up the ladder at BBC Wales. There was a new fashion for documentaries about real life, for ordinary, extraordinary things that the camera could film as they were happening. I thought, what a great story it would make if we could be in the Triorchi dressing room as they finally made it to the top. My great friend and colleague Phil George, another Triorchi boy who'd been to Porth County, I headed up to the club to ask if they'd be willing to give our film crews access. We were met with open arms. Publicity, you see, was a key part of marketing. There was something special about the series that came about as a result. In the years that followed, I was involved in producing lots of rugby documentaries. The story of the Lions Tour of 1971, profiles of Barry John and of the Llanelli team who beat the All Blacks, a reconstruction of the famous Wales versus New Zealand game of 1905, a fly-on-the-wall series about the Scarlets. All of these programmes were directed by people who knew their rugby. But for Triorchi's rugby dream, the director was Eric Stiles, someone who knew next to nothing about the game. Eric Stiles. He was stylish. A Valleys boy, fresh out of film school when I gave him his break into broadcasting. But he was more of a drama director, really. I saw his name just the other day, the final credit on The Pact, the latest big drama series from the BBC. Back then, he was chosen for the Triorchi series precisely because we wanted to appeal to viewers well beyond the core rugby audience. And we wanted to do that because the dream dreamed by Phil Davis, Chris Jones, his brother Clive, the inspirational chairman, the late Neil Hutchings, and all the other leading lights of the Triorchi Club, the dream they were making happen, and it did all come true, just as they'd foreseen, that dream was about more than rugby. It was about giving hope to a whole community, about helping young men in particular see that there was more to life than drink and drugs, about showing the Ronda that it could achieve great things if it pulled together, with imagination, with insight into the way the world works, with a kind of intelligence that has always marked our valley out, just as distinctively as the physical strength of our rugby forwards and our colliery face workers. Idris Davis, the working-class poet of the coalfield who knew the Ronda well, has a poem where he talks of a dreamer in the mining town who wandered in the evening to the hills to lie among grass and gaze until day had faded into night. There, in the mountain dark, writes Davis, the dream was born, the spirit fired and the calm disturbed by the just anger of the blood. The insistent language of the dream, the words of indignation, would clothe themselves in beauty and be heard among the far undying echoes of the world. Triorchi's rugby dream faded fast 
when the big clubs cottoned on to the marketing techniques that had been pioneered in the Ronda. But there was something beautiful about it all the same, something powerful which echoed around the world, as Idris Davis puts it, something that said, and still says, that Ronda has vision, has talent, has the acumen and the gumption, not just to take its place amongst the very best, but to lead the way. It was all a long time ago now. I wonder if any of us have a dream like that, in whatever field, for the Ronda in the 2020s. I'm John Garrett Roberts. Join me next time for another trip down Memory Terrace in John on the Ronda. <laughs>